Welcome to episode 65 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. What is your plan and strategy to connect to your community? Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. In the last three podcasts, we've talked about mistakes or errors it's easy to make in building a church. And the last one I want to talk about is important because it can seem like it's a distraction, but yet it's very important. And it certainly can be labor intensive, but it's one of those long-term harvests, I believe, that is critical for us to really to be able to reach more people. And that would be this, not having a plan and a strategy to connect to the community. Now, in every community, in every locale, there are certain events that happen where it's obvious that we should step up and roll up our sleeves and be a helping hand or be a voice or volunteer our facilities for use, uh, things of that nature. And there are many, many great testimonies how churches have really become a great example in sharing their time and their resources and everything and responding to those things. And that's that's good. And I think most churches do that probably pretty well. I think, however, just because of the nature of ministry and how demanding it is, it's hard to develop strategies where we're not going to see some type of maybe immediate return. But yet at the same time, we've got to be a little bit long-term minded. So when I'm talking about connecting to the community, I'm talking about taking the time because after all, you've got to connect to something before you can really embrace it. When I hear churches talking about loving their community and loving their town, uh, if that's sincere, that means they've embraced it. And if they've embraced it, that means they've connected to it. And by the way, when you embrace something, you don't have to embrace everything. There are certain things that, uh, you know, as a pastor, I would address to certain political people and in that nature where it was clear that I didn't embrace what they were doing, but I embraced the overall good of our community and was willing to do whatever I could to help in those things. Uh, there's this tension, and I've heard it spoken this way, well, we want to make sure that we're more known for what we're for than what we're against. And I would buy into that statement in a general sense. But the truth is, when you're really for something, you're really going to be against something. So maybe the best way to put traction on that statement is to be so radically for something and really put your resources and time in it that anything would be opposed to it. People would know, look, they're just they're just not going to go for that. Uh, and sometimes, of course, there are still things you've got to speak out to and you've got to address. But don't let that tension, that uh, probability of that happening stop you from being invested to the degree that you can reasonably uh, be invested. But I'm talking about having more of a long-term strategy so that when you do have to speak to call people to account, maybe in a social setting, or if you feel like there's really a great opportunity for the church to serve, that that door would be open to you. Either way, I think you've got to have already have some uh, deposits made in those relational accounts. When I was pastoring, we had a group of people that would attend the city council meeting. Usually it was a small group, three to five people, and uh, they weren't going there to uh, protest anything. They were going there to learn. They were going there to get to know who the people were, who the players were, 
what was the tenor of things. And of course, they became somewhat of a curiosity to the council members, like, why are you here? And they would just say, well, you know, our pastor asked us to take notes. You know, we're praying for our town. We want to know how to pray. Is there anything we can pray for about you? And so they understood that we were not just Johnny come lately. So we were not going to blow through town and do our thing and be on our way. As a result of that, we were able to establish and do some things in town. And uh, I believe uh, ended up with uh, a lot of favor in, in doing some things that we wanted to do and thought we could do. One of the good things that happened out of that was there was a group of veterans who had years before raised the funds, bought a little piece of property along the road to put up a very nice granite uh, carved in uh, memorial to the people in our town who had lost lives in the Second World War. And it was a very high number. Our area was hit. Apparently, the battalions and the companies that the groups, because a lot of these young men in those days enlisted together, uh, they died together. So there was a disproportional amount of young men from that town that died together uh, for our liberty. And these men that survived, they were their buddies. They knew them. When you went down the list with them and talked about names, they could tell you who was who, and they played ball together, and they were in class together, and that was so-and-so's cousin, and things of that nature. So it was pretty personal. And uh, uh, the one gentleman there we had developed a relationship with, he was a ringleader, and uh, I talked to him one day. We actually honored him at a veterans thing in our church, he and a group of people. And he expressed to me concern about what was going to happen to the monument after he died. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, we raised the money for it and we take care of it and we put the flowers on it. We cut the grass. And he said, I've talked to the township and, and they just said, well, you know, it's your, your problem. It, you know, after you die, what, you know, we don't own it, you own it. And he said, well, I'll give it to you. And they didn't want it. And quite frankly, I didn't understand this. So I went to, uh, the township supervisor, and I said, what is the deal here? Why can't the township take ownership of this? And he said, well, no one's really pushed for it. So I, I did a little gentle pushing, and uh, here's what I did. I said, listen, if you guys will take ownership of this and insure it, because right now if a car would hit this, it would be destroyed. There's no insurance on it, or the car wouldn't be covered either maybe. So there's some liability involved here. And I said, you know, adding this to the township policy could only be a few dollars, I'm sure. And they said, well, you know, there's the maintenance issue. I said, well, how about this? How about if you guys take ownership and our church will take the maintenance? We'll, we'll cut the grass. We'll plant the flowers. We'll do the ribbons. We'll do all that. And so uh, they, we actually had a signing over ceremony. It was done at our church. They came to my office. We did that. And here's the funny part. We never had to do the maintenance. The first group I sent up to the maintenance in the spring, they said, uh, it's already done. Their flowers are already planted. I'm like, well, how did that happen? You know what? It just became part of the system. Now, we were certainly willing to do that and wanted to do it. I, I kind of actually felt a little bit bad about it, but they just took ownership. I don't know how that would have happened or what would have happened. But when that gentleman died, you know, that was that was taken care of. That And that's a, it's a great memorial for a small town to have something that's very precious and very, very real. So that's what I'm talking about, building those connections, connecting with your community, I think is really important. And in hindsight, it's one of the things I think I could have done really, really a lot better at. It is time 
uh, investment. It is going to some meetings, but at the same time, think of all the meetings you're in. If you spent four or five hours a month even, let's say six hours a month, let's say one whole day a month, let's say eight hours a month in meetings, you know, going to the Kiwanis Club meeting, going to the local ministerial meeting, going to the Chamber of Commerce meeting, and just touching people, shaking hands, uh, getting them to know who you are. I can tell you from the limited times I did that, Often I had good intentions, but I didn't have a great strategy. It always bore fruit. We developed great relationships, and it always seemed to work out to benefit us, you know, exponentially, honestly, and give us doors. Uh, I was invited to our uh, our county commissioners meeting a number of times uh, to lead in prayer with many people gathered. It was just a tradition they had, and I got called on. And of course, I always seized the moment, pushed the envelope a little bit. I got to tell you, I'd always greet people and talk about what a wonderful country we live in, and you know, uh, it's the freest country in the world. And uh, many of you have things that are going on in your life today. And so, before I even pray for all this, I just want to pray for you. And you know what? Never had any kickback, never had any pushback on that. They they love that part of it. Especially if you're a smaller church and you're starting out and you think, okay, what do I do with my time and how do I invest that? Begin just to go and to build some relationships, build some friends. And uh, if you are a larger church and you're more prosperous, you know, even if you can't go, then maybe you designate some people that will represent you well. They will speak well. They will look well. They will dress well. Uh, you know, they, they will do the things that represent you well. And just being in those meetings and, uh, you know, take some notes, offer to prayer. Listen, prayer is a gateway to evangelism. Prayer is a gateway to relationships. And it's very not too often that people will really tear, uh, turn down a sincere offer for you to pray for them. While we are focusing in-house and trying to win souls and make disciples and do all the things we have to do in-house to be a healthy church, I think it's important that we keep fertilizing the soil that's around us and find out how we can connect. I think it being at those meetings gives us a strategic initiative rather than just graciously responding to needs or opportunities as they pop up, which is certainly a good thing. But developing that strategy, what is our strategy to connect to this community? Who are the people in here we can connect to, that we can bless, that we can influence, that God will use as a forum for us to preach the gospel to a greater group of people and ultimately win people to Jesus? So, I trust that uh, you'd give some thought and prayer for that. Maybe get a creative team together. Uh, don't treat it like a project. Don't treat it like a tactic. Treat it like a DNA thing. So we're going to get connected, and we're going to get connected at this level. Hey, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Great being with you. Today, Keith continued his discussion on building the church. It is hard to develop strategies where we aren't going to see some sort of immediate return, but we have to be long-term minded. Develop a strategy to connect to your community. Go to the city council meetings. Pray for your city leaders. God will open up doors. You will be able to bless and influence and connect with more people when you get out in your community and make those connections. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. 
For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.